Welcome to Financial R&R, a show dedicated to financial insurance and risk management solutions and trends shaping the market today. Here are your hosts, Ron Boris and Ryan Farnsworth. Well, welcome everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of the Financial R&R. This is Ron Boris and Ryan Farnsworth. And we are here today with one of our, our special guests who's certainly joined us in the past, Mattia Marks. And we want to talk about some of the the recent news that, that came out over the last couple of weeks regarding the use of captives and the ability to run DNO insurance. More as a follow-up to a podcast that our, our, our colleagues, Steve Chappelle and, and Ryan Dumphy and Seth Madnick had put out last week, but with an angle and a, a focus more on financial institutions. Because as we know, you know, I've been working with large financial institutions for over 20 years. Many have captives already. And obviously, to the extent that you already have a captive and ability to potentially run your DNO, and in particular, your, your side A, your non-indemnifiable loss, a portion of that risk through the captive, that's that's got to be exciting for a lot of risk managers. We certainly know that a lot of large companies have been thinking about starting captives, especially with the, the market being as hard as it's been over the last couple of years. And you know, I think there's a lot of uh, misunderstandings and misinformation out there regarding captives. Mattia in her prior life was a, was a risk manager at a large company uh, that actually had a captive. So we thought her joining us and, and giving that perspective would be great. So Mattia, thanks for joining us today. Sure, happy to be here. Yeah, and Ron, you can't say fake news, right? You have to say you have to say other ways to describe it because one of the things that we in the insurance world sometimes we get we get bored with ourselves sometimes, right? And so when something like this comes out, we feel like we need to think that it might be the next big thing. And and the reality is, as we'll talk about today, and and continue to evaluate this development in the coming months and years, is that. At the end of the day, what we're most focused on is helping our clients find that more rewarding way to manage risk and identify coverage and risk. And how does that effectively transfer off of a company's balance sheet? And how does it most effectively protect directors and officers? Because at the end of the day, it's still the same risks that we've been seeking to ensure with the commercial marketplace for years. And what we're always trying to do is find the best way to possibly do that. And we're thrilled to have Mattia with us today. I would love to just hear Mattia's initial thoughts. You know, Mattia, we love that you're here with us at Alliant, but what would be some of the things running through your mind as a client if you were still on the risk management side on the heels of, of this development? Yeah, I mean, I can certainly understand the knee-jerk reaction of wanting to do something like this because of the way that the market has been going over the last several years. And looking at this as an alternative to placing the risk in, in the traditional commercial marketplace. But I have to say, you know, I feel like it's such a large endeavor to start a captive. There's so much that you need to do, you know, the feasibility study, you know, the regulatory approval, all the things that are required. It's certainly not something that an organization is going to, or in my opinion, at least, entertain just for the purpose of doing something like this, because it's just such a, it's such a huge endeavor and requires such a big commitment on, on the part of the company. And furthermore, it's really not the type of risk that traditionally you would see in a captive in that you don't necessarily have the underwriting expertise to understand, first of all, how you would need to price something like this and how to reserve for claims. And also, it just doesn't have the predictability of the types of risks that you would normally put into it, like a worker's comp where you have high frequency, low severity. I mean, if you have a DNO claim, as we all know, defense costs and settlement costs have been growing exponentially over the last several years. So in my opinion, it's just not something that I would really want to expose my captive to unless I had a really mature captive 
that had had a lot of, of excess capital to deploy. Yeah, no, Mattia, listen, I think you hit the, the nail on the head. From, from my experience, firms that are buying or running insurance through their captives, they're doing it because the market has gotten to a point where they're requiring retentions to be really large. And the captive is less of a, a risk management tool and more of a risk financing tool, right? So, so to suggest that you know, if you have to take the the first 10 or 15 or 25 million in a retention, you know, you're going to have to pay that anyway as the company. So why not take that capital, pull it aside, put it into a captive um, and, and manage it that way? I, I think given the fact that DNO has historically been a, a, a low frequency, high severity type exposure, the understanding is that, yes, maybe you're funding your captive with $10 million and that helps. But at the end of the day, you still have to buy reinsurance to some degree if you want to have some type of uh, stop loss relative to your capital and exposure. And then in many cases, on top of it, you're looking at reinsurance or the commercial market sitting on top of that program, which again, is going to cost you, you money in this market. So you know, again, uh, Ryan, I, I, I think the new term, today's term is misinformation. I think we've moved away from fake news. Maybe we'll go, we'll go back to fake news at some point, but uh, I think the going term today is misinformation. And I think that's what we're here to try to clear up for folks. And, and having information is the key because regardless of what we or Matias said, risk managers and general counsels and people who handle the DNO insurance are still going to get questions from the board saying, what about captive? The market has been really hurting our balance sheet the last couple of years by having premiums go up, retentions go up, you know, and, and, and of course, if any, any increase in costs is going to impact that decision-making process. And I think that's one of the, the great things about being at Alliant. You can go and talk with Seth Madnick and some of our other captive solution experts at Alliant and, and put the combination of captive expertise with DNO risk advisory services and and what does it mean on not just the brokerage side from the insurance market perspective but talking with our legal and claims team with Steve Chappelle with Matia Marks and 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 down the line and I think you know as as we look at answering cl- clients questions in the future we're going to continue to stay focused on hearing what's important to them but also dealing with the realities of seeking for coverage and cost certainty, because, you know, we're also going to talk through the, the upcoming market challenges and, and changes that are going to be happening throughout 22 and 23, where the reality of having captives as an option should help the competitive forces in the marketplace in what we're already seeing as an improving DNO insurance market in the months to come. Yeah, and I'd just like to add to Ryan, that certainly one of the goals of having a robust DNO program is to encourage high quality individuals to join boards. And I'm not sure that having a DNO program run through a craftive is necessarily going to accomplish that goal. So it's it's something else to keep in mind as well. But listen, as we know, and, and rightfully so, pricing has been a major issue for many clients, right? We saw not financial institution specific, but you know, Elon Musk, Tesla, you know, essentially stopped buying DNO insurance. It was a, a big public news, right? And he was going to give a personal indemnity and you know, of course, if we we had the other the rest of our legal team on the phone, they would tell you why there's tons of reasons why that doesn't necessarily work the same way a DNO insurance policy would work either. But you know, I, I think it's really interesting. Recently, we we came across some literature. Apparently, there's there's a, a market or or a broker out there trying to sell a captive in a solution for SPACs, 
And uh, in looking through the materials, I, I can see why it might be really attractive to a company who's, who's staring down the barrel of some real expenses, right? You know, very competitive pricing. And, and one key difference is if your policy has no losses, the company has the opportunity of a return premium. I mean, that sentence alone is just riddled with misleading information, right? So what if you have a claim? Right. As we know, DNO claims can sometimes take six months, a year, three years, five years to sort out. So, how do you know if your policy has no losses? At the end of the day, you don't. Right. The, the reinsurance is provided by a carrier uh, with an AM best rating of A. Well, well, that's reassuring. Right. I mean, for those of us who've worked in this business for a long time, most directors want to see at least A plus or A plus plus because, again, as you know, Matias as a lawyer, right? Long duration claims take a long time to settle. Unfortunately, we've had situations where carriers have not survived the period of a loss. We've had carriers in our time in the business go into insolvency or receivership or wind down. And at the end of the day, that then what happens, right? If you're a director involved in some complex DNO litigation, do you basically line up with all the other policyholders that are trying to get their claims paid? I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting information there. I, I, I thought another interesting comment was, how do my claims get paid? Claims will be handled as any other insurance company handles claims. Okay, that's really reassuring. As we know, most, <laughs> mo most directors go into insurance policies thinking insurance companies don't want to pay claims. You know, obviously having a deep claims recovery team, we're really good at getting carriers to respond and pay. But don't get me wrong here. There, there is definitely good reasons to consider using a captive in your risk management sort of tool chest of things available to you. But again, this is not something for everybody. This is something that really experienced, sophisticated buyers should be considering and also understand that there's benefits and considerations. And, and, and I think that's sort of the goal in these discussions is to make sure that while we certainly are all in, in support and we're just as excited to see this change come about you, you know, out of Delaware, it, it's not something that's going to be there for everybody. Yeah, the, the devil is definitely in the details, as we've always talked about when it comes to transferring risks to insurance companies. So having the conversations, as Steve Chappelle always says, early and often in these processes, when you get a question from the board, when you get a question internally about how to handle costs and the DNO risk, what are the implications? There's a lot of literature out there that's walking you through it. But at the end of the day, what's the most important thing? Doing what's best for your individual organization and your stakeholders. And we're thrilled to have the tools and the resources to be able to do that for our clients and look forward to doing so as this law takes effect and, and continues to impact boardrooms around the country. Obviously, there's going to you know, continue to be a lot of dialogue here, Mattia. We're, we're really lucky to have you and your perspective, just given the fact that you've done this kind of both on the, on the brokerage side, on the risk management side. Yeah, I guess what, what's your sort of parting takeaway here for, for anybody listening today if they're you know, looking at this new news or, or being approached with a solution here, uh, you know, as a captive in, in lieu of paying DNO insurance premiums, what, what, what's kind of the message we can send the folks? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that there's a role for captives to play in this space, but it's definitely not a one size fits all solution for every organization. And you really need to flush it out, speak with your management, speak with your broker, and make sure you really understand what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish and whether or not this is a solution for your particular organization. Yeah, I, I saw another one that, that said something about sharing limits, right, Ryan? We, we know how much directors love to share limits. Some of these pooled captive approaches, it, it actually is a pool of insurance where multiple publicly traded companies would be sharing limits. I just, 
I can't believe any director would be on board with that. But like I said, it's an interesting time that we're in right now. Our goal here is to try to just provide some clarity. We're certainly seeing a ton of this across a variety of sectors, but captives have been heavily utilized in the financial institution space forever. And uh, we thought it was really important to, to get this out there. So if anybody's listening in right now and has any, any questions or, or, or wants to learn more about what we're doing within financial institutions and how we're helping clients find that more rewarding way to manage risk, please visit our website at www.alliant.com. That's it for now. We'll wrap this up and look forward to speaking with you all again soon. Thanks again, Matia. 